Well, it's good to be with you all this morning, and like Pastor Howard said, for those of you who didn't come to the conference for for whatever reason, uh, yesterday you can come tonight at 6.30. Uh, If you have questions about, you know, where the Bible came from, what about manuscripts, um, we'll spend most of our time discussing. You can ask questions, and I will respond to them uh, as best as I can. So if you have questions, come. If you don't have any now, you might have some later. Uh, Come anyway. Uh, you won't hurt my feelings. Uh, but yeah, just come tonight at 6.30. Um, and again, thank you to, to Pastor Howard for inviting me. Uh, like he said, I'm originally from uh, Miami, Florida. I actually grew up you know, 20 minutes just, just north of here. Um, grew up here, um, played baseball here, w- went to school here. Um, you know, and like Pastor Howard said, went off to college and, and, and seminary. And now I'm a professor at Southeastern uh, Seminary in Wake Forest, um, North Carolina. So I'm from Miami, but my wife is not uh, from Miami. She's from, from a little town uh, just north uh, of Nashville called Cross Plains, Tennessee, where I'm pretty sure they have more animals than people uh, there. But uh, yeah, we're two very different people who, uh, yeah, God has brought together. We have four girls and they're with us. So if you hear any commotion uh, during the service, it's likely coming from right uh, over there. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but when I come back, you know, Miami's changed a little bit, but um, Homestead has actually changed quite a bit from what I've noticed. I would mainly come down here to play baseball at the Homestead Sports uh, Complex. I don't think it's even there um, a- anymore. But, um, but, yeah, I noticed a lot more houses and buildings and things and a lot more people uh, that have been brought uh, into this area with all the different people brought into this area. What an opportunity to, um, uh, to share the gospel and make disciples uh, of all nations. So the nations are coming here. What an opportunity that is uh, to do ministry. And how encouraging it is to hear that you guys have services in English, Spanish and Creole. I mean, how many, what, how many parts of the United States do you have to actually have the opportunity to do that in such an uh, international location uh, like you guys uh, are living? And so it's encouraging, uh, and I'm grateful to be with you all here today. Now, if you would, please turn to our text today. It's Psalm 6. Psalm 6. Give you guys a moment to turn there. All right, I'm going to read the psalm, uh, and then we'll, we'll discuss it. All right, so Psalm 6, I'll start in, in verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath, but be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Now, the author of this psalm is, is David, who laments over the state of his soul, which is in a prolonged state 
of anguish. Now, such psalms where you have anguish and pain just kind of go on and on. Uh, they're never pretty. They're never nice. Uh, but they do show us that when gripped by times of grief and despair, we truly have no one to turn to but, but God himself. Only he can deliver us. Only he's our, our hope. David knows that only God will deliver him from suffering. He knows that the one true God is his only hope. So he turns to him and no one else. Now, as we read this psalm, we're going to see that this is certainly an example for how we endure suffering now in a, in a fallen world in which there's sin, there's death, there's trial, there's turmoil, uh, causing us to turn to the God who will deliver us, if not now, certainly when he returns to raise the dead and make all things right. Now, as we look at the first five verses in this particular psalm, we see these verses are filled with pleas for God's help. David begins in verse 1, with the plea that God would not rebuke him in his anger, nor discipline him in his wrath. Now here there's no admission of, of sin, so it's likely David believes he's enduring a time of, of discipline or reproof through such suffering going on uh, in his life. Now, when we think of, of discipline, we don't like the idea of discipline. It sounds unkind, it sounds um, it sounds. We just don't like it. Um, now, when you think of Proverbs 3.12, it gives a better understanding of uh, how God uses uh, discipline. Uh, and here we see that in Proverbs 3.12, this text displays that discipline is sometimes God's severe mercy on us, where we go through trials for the sake of instruction, to produce something good in us. And this is something we'll see uh, throughout this particular psalm. Now, it doesn't mean every time we go through uh, difficulty that we're being dis disciplined uh, in particular, or what we're going to talk about today uh, is the case. Sometimes we go through suffering as a result of our own sin. We make foolish mistakes, uh, we sin, and thus we suffer for it. But sometimes, as we see in this text, uh, God's hand is involved in our suffering to produce something good in us, to mature us in godliness, to cause us to see that as we suffer, we really have no one to turn to but the only one who can deliver us, and that's God uh, himself. This is something we'll keep coming back to throughout this particular psalm. And as we read the psalm, one thing we see is that David feels like he's had enough. He feels like he's endured for so long that he's about to pass from the land of the living now to the land of the dead. So whatever David is going through... It's so painful that he's ready for it to come to an end. He's had enough. It's been gnawing at him. He's been suffering and enduring for quite some time, and he's ready for it to come to an end. And sometimes we feel this way, and we all suffer. We all go through periods of suffering and trial and difficulty, and we suffer and we suffer, and we're exhausted like David, and we want it to come to an end. And here we see these emotions in their rawest sense in verses 2 through three, where David asked God to be gracious to him, for he is languishing, to heal him, for his bones are troubled, his soul is troubled. Now, it's hard to grasp exactly the kind of pain that David is going through. Whatever it is, it's so intense that he feels it throughout his entire soul and his entire body, down to his very 
bones. It's a trial so severe that there's no part of him that's able to escape it. There's no getting away from it. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. It is all-consuming for David. Now, just imagine this for a moment. A trial so severe, so prolonged, that it affects your entire body and soul. You can't get away from it. You can't conceal it. You can't compartmentalize it. Um, It consumes your thoughts, your emotions, and like David, it affects you down to your very bones. That's exactly what he's going through. He's been going through it so long that he asks, in verse 3, how long, O Lord? In simple terms, when are you going to make it stop? When are you going to make the pain of this trial go away? He doesn't describe the exact nature of his pain or his trial. He just wants to be rid of it. He wants it to go away. He's been suffering so long that he wants to be done. Now, I know many of us can relate to what David is going through. It's like we're going about our lives. Everything is going just fine. And all of a sudden, boom, we sort of just walk into it. Or it really, it walks into us, into our lives. And then we sort of stay in this suffering and we stay in this pain. And we're wondering when it's going to be over and it doesn't seem to subside. We try everything in our power, but God doesn't take it away. It simply just continues. The pain and the suffering continue to pound us almost mercilessly. It could be everything from a tumor, depression, spouse walks out, uh, infertility, a child who departs from the faith, or paralyzing thoughts of fear or guilt. Whatever it is, it starts and it does not let up. We ask God to make it go away, to heal your loved one, to make things right, but nothing happens. The pain continues and it does not subside. It could last weeks, months, years, indefinitely. Um, You simply cannot shake it. And when we read this psalm, I think we can put ourselves in David's shoes. I can almost picture what he's experiencing. Uh, Perhaps like some of you all as well. The pain continues, and we simply can't get out of it. Uh, Day after day just gnaws at us and continues and continues. We ask God to go away, but he doesn't. It doesn't, at least not immediately. Now, I know in some circles um, there's pressure to feel like um, you have it all together all the time. You always have to smile and pretend like everything is just fine. Because if you happen to struggle and admit that you're suffering and going through difficulty, well, that just means that you're not spiritual. It means that you're not a good um, Christian. That's simply not true. Right? It's not what we see here in the psalm with David itself, himself. Now, it doesn't mean we go around moping all the time, like, like Eeyore, for example. Um, I think we should seek to have joy in Christ in the midst of our circumstances. We should. However, sometimes life is hard. And sometimes life is really, really hard, like we see here in Psalm 6 for David. And sometimes these really, really hard times last a really, really long time. We see that in David's life. David admits it. There's nothing unspiritual about that. Uh, And once such time comes, we can cry out to God. Just like David, we can ask the question, how long, O Lord? How long? Which, by the way, is a question you see throughout the Psalms. Now, as we keep suffering and these times come, we keep asking, our minds are left to wonder, 
What is God doing as the time keeps going by and my pain is unabated? Why doesn't he just act? Right? Do something. Right? You almost want to crawl out of your skin, find a way to escape the suffering and trial, but <laughs> you can't. Uh, personally, uh, I like my trials short and sweet. I like, to, I like to be dealt with and done with over quickly, but oftentimes it's not the case. Um, it doesn't seem to go away sometimes. Sometimes we're in it and we struggle for a while and we wonder why God does not intervene. Now, when we have such thoughts, it's important to remind ourselves, as you recall in verse 1, that God's purposes often are to, or sometimes are to, discipline us, to shape us, to cause us to be more holy. That through such suffering, we would realize we only have one person to turn to, right? God, only he can deliver us, only he can He can save us. And even if he doesn't intervene now, as we're going to talk about here in a moment, he will do so in the future. He will heal us, he will deliver us, at the resurrection of the dead. But who likes suffering? Honestly, uh, we'd rather avoid suffering. I'd rather avoid it. But what may seem so unmerciful to us is in fact, or may in fact be, God's severe mercy towards us. Uh, John Piper, a pastor in Minnesota, puts it this way, pastor and author, uh, we naturally try to avoid suffering at all costs. But God brings suffering in all our lives for the sake of our eternal joy. Yes, even glory. And in this glory, we will be made like him. And in the present, um, as we suffer and we're allowed to, allowed to suffer, um, God allows us to endure suffering so that sometimes we come to the end of ourselves. We realize, you know, I've tried everything. I've trusted in myself. I've tried to, to fix things on my own as best as I can, but I can't. So... There's only one person I can trust in, and that's God, as David uh, trusts in God. And sometimes it takes that, and God will allow us to endure that, for us sometimes to come to the end of ourselves and realize that our only hope is in God. Now, on this side of eternity, pain is more common than we'd like for it to be. When we feel it, it just goes on and on. Remember that many believers uh, have gone through the same things that we are suffering. And just because you're suffering doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. But think, um, God is God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to continue in our sin or our lack of trust in him, but he allows us to go through suffering so that we, our eyes, our gaze might turn to him and not to ourselves for our own personal deliverance, right? Because our only hope is in, is in him. But when we go through such things, just like other believers, because we have a God who loves us, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, and we trust him, and, uh, and, and he, he is our God, we can't, and, we can't ask, and he does hear us, we can't ask, how long, Lord? And remember, he does hear us for those who have trusted in his son, and in his good timing, when he's accomplished his work, whatever it is, he will deliver us. Now, although suffering, as we've seen, has a purpose, I know it doesn't lessen the pain necessarily. We see this in David in this psalm. It's just too much. It's wearying. He doesn't want it anymore. And who can blame him? So he pleads with God in verse 4. He says, Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast 
love. Now, David appeals to God's steadfast love to deliver him from pain, that God might grant him mercy. And in verse 5, David even says that in death, there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Now, there's a whole lot we can say about death and Sheol, the realm of the dead, but I'm just going to get to the point of what I think David's trying to communicate here. If David perishes, then his life would no longer bear witness to God's merciful character to his people. His life would no longer be able to praise the God um, who shows steadfast love to his people. You can't do that in death. But if God does deliver him, then David can give testimony, as we can, to the God who is faithful to save his people from pain and suffering, as only he can. When that happens, God receives the praise and people are drawn to worship the God who brings people back from the pit, uh, even death itself. Now, this is not just for David. We can also appeal to God for deliverance from pain and turmoil, however prolonged, so that, so that God's mercy to us might testify to the God who restores gives life. Now, it doesn't mean that God is a magic genie, right? It doesn't mean that every time we call on God, he has to act. He's not a genie. God has purposes that are beyond our comprehension sometimes. And one of the purposes I think we see is in disciplining us, that is, through our suffering, through our pain, that we might trust him, look to him as the only one who can deliver us, right? Whether he does or whether he doesn't, God has good purposes. Right? But if he does, what an amazing testimony to the God who displays steadfast love to his people. Now, if God chooses not to act, it doesn't mean that he has forsaken us. God will deliver us from suffering and pain, as we're going to see at the resurrection. This is the time when Jesus returns, raises us glorified, just as Jesus was raised to dwell with him forever, and what a glorious existence that will be. So when we go through pain and suffering, but really this only applies for the believer in Christ. Like people go through suffering and trial and pain in life. Uh, for those who haven't trusted in Christ, it just seems it's purposeless, and it really is hopeless because you're suffering, and it's, it's awful, and it is awful. But for those in Christ, we trust that we have a good God, right? a God who cares for us, and our suffering uh, will not go without purpose or use. But for those of us in Christ, we trust that we serve a God who cares for us, that even through our difficulty, sometimes especially through our difficulty, God is teaching us, and God is acting mercifully to us not to leave us in our sin and ultimately not to leave us in our suffering. And if he doesn't deliver us now, we have the hope, and only in Christ do we have this hope. Um, that if he doesn't deliver us now, he will deliver us from all pain and suffering at the resurrection. And that is the hope that Christians have uh, only through Jesus Christ. It's not purpose of suffering, right? We go through suffering and we have an eternal perspective on why we go through exactly what we go through. Now the reality is, just like David, we will, we all at some point or another find ourselves in a period of trial and suffering. It's the reality of living in a fallen world. There's sin and death, and where sin and death are still 
holding on, still trying to exercise their power and grip and control over the world. And what do we do? <laughs> we don't turn to ourselves to try and fix it, as easy as that, as that usually is, or as, or as innate as that may be sometimes. We cry out to God and we trust him, just like David, knowing that only God can deliver us. If not now, certainly at the resurrection. And as he allows us sometimes to endure it now, just know it is for a purpose that we might only trust in him. Now after verses 1 through 5, uh, the, psalm, the psalmist provides us with a raw description of his current state. He describes his condition as being weary with moaning, flooding his bed with tears every night, drenching his couch with weeping, and wasting away because of grief in verse 6. Now he's being honest about his condition. He's in the pit of despair. It's continuous. It's unabated. Now, a couple of things I'd like to point out about this. He's weary with moaning. What is that? You know, sometimes there simply, is no, there simply are no words for the pain that we feel. We suffer and we endure and we reach out from the pit of our stomachs and we just, we moan. We don't know what to say. And pain is like that. Sometimes it's hard to describe, but it certainly is real. Um, and you feel like no one understands. It's hard to express uh, what you'd like to communicate to God about what you're suffering, just like David. Right? Also, David spends his evening in tears. It says that he drenches his couch with tears. Now, sometimes we're enduring periods of suffering. We spend countless hours in tears, crying and lamenting. It's different for everybody. Um, it just affects people differently. For some people, the things that affect us are, are sickness, and so we struggle with sickness. Uh, for others, it's, it's failure. For others, it's broken relationships. For others, it's, it's injustice. There's no one-size-fits-all for why we feel the pain that we, that we do. Um, for others, it's, it's physical pain, right? something you just can't get rid of. Um, but you know when it hits you, and you know when you're in it, and you know when you have no answers. So many of our hours are filled with tears and lament. And unfortunately, sometimes we confide in people that only make things worse. They exacerbate our pain. It doesn't mean that we don't confide in people, right? Uh, we are a body of believers, and we're to look to other believers uh, for help and comfort. Um, pastors who shepherd you during this time will encourage you um, to trust in the God who can, who can deliver you. But sometimes we, we do get bad advice, um, and that's why commentators uh, suggest that when the psalmist now introduces his foes in verse 7, whom he later refers to as evil workers and enemies, he says that his foes cause his eye to grow weak. Now, we think of the eye. The eye is sometimes connected to our hope for God to, to act in Scripture, um, to do something to help us. So with that, it's likely that these foes are comparable to, to Job's friends who give him bad advice as to why he is suffering. Their, their advice causes his hope in God to grow dim. Now, we do want to seek help. We do want to seek aid and help from other believers as we struggle. Um, for those of you who, who are aware of 
who grew up in the 1980s or, or, or 90s, right? we're, not, um, we're not like Rambo, right? We don't walk around with a knife going through a for- forest trying to conquer everybody and everything. No, it's, it's not the way the Christian life works, right? We have the Spirit, and so do other believers who have the Spirit, and we're meant to, to aid one another and, and help one another and sit there in pain and grief with others and, and encourage them as they're suffering and grieving to, to trust in the God who will deliver them, if not now, certainly in the future. So when we're struggling, we encourage others, and others encourage us to trust in the God who has a purpose for our suffering, who will see us through, if not now, certainly in the future. And as we look to this particular passage, um, that our deliverance may not happen when we'd like, it certainly will happen, though, at some point in the future. And as we think, we see, and we move on now, um, as his eye wastes away because of grief, David asks all his these evil workers to depart from him, and God is allowing him to, to suffer. We can certainly trust, like David, that God will act in his timing after he's accomplished his good purposes. Now, in my experience, when suffering happens, um, or the to- are the times in which I've been forced to not think on myself, uh, but trust in God and no one else. I realize I can't do anything to deliver myself. So no matter what I do or try to help myself, I come to the realization that God must act. That through suffering, God increases my awareness and my need for him. It's painful, but it's efficient. But who likes suffering? I don't. Uh, who likes difficulty? I don't, but what we see throughout this passage is that God uses suffering. I can sometimes look back, you know, months, years um, later, I'm like, you know, that period was hard. I wish I wasn't in it. Um, but the more and more I tried to fix things myself, uh, the, more I re- the more I realized, hey, I can't fix things myself. I can't deal with this just myself. I have to turn to the God who can deliver me. Certainly, if not now, certainly in the future. Now, as we look on to verses 8 through 10, now we see a change, if you will, a shift in this particular psalm. We see the psalmist now, David, he pivots. He pivots his attention from suffering to hope. He knows that there's only one way he can can get out of the pit. His only hope is that God will act. Now, in verse 8, the psalmist, David, confesses that God has heard his weeping. He has heard his plea. He has accepted his prayer. That means that he knows that God will save him, that God will lift him out of despair, that he will be not left for dead, which is exactly the kind of posture that we are to have toward God, that no matter how difficult, no matter how prolonged the pain, God will deliver us. If not now, certainly in the future, despite what others might say to dispel us of that hope. Hopefully we receive encouragement, we encourage others to trust in the God who saves us. And as we look throughout this entire psalm, we certainly see a shift 
in, in, David, in David's tone, um, as we conclude here in verse 8, and as we look throughout this psalm, we see David's soul has been languishing to the point of despair. So he's certainly pleased with God to deliver him. Now, though God doesn't deliver him right away, his hope is in the covenant-keeping God that when his purposes are fulfilled, will bring him back from the point of death. And what is this for us? As we look at this psalm, we see that in Psalm 6, we have a model for how we deal with suffering. Specifically, that in our suffering, our hope is to be only in God. That in our suffering, our hope is only to be in God. And as God allows us to suffer, right? often enough, the point is to take the attention off ourselves and how we can fix those things, how we can do things, but to draw our attention to the only God who can ever help us. And that's the, the one true God who has acted finally and fully through his son, Jesus Christ. But certainly this psalm must mean more than this. Right? We have to realize that the, God, the same God who speaks through David also speaks through other authors in the Bible to narrate a story that will culminate in the resurrection and restoration of all things when God delivers his people from pain and suffering, trial, sin, and death at the resurrection. When we think about scripture this way, we can think about how David's words in Psalm 6 anticipate Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. In fact, Jesus' petition sounds remarkably like David's. Here in Matthew 26, verse 37, I'll just read it to you. He says, Jesus says, he is sorrowful and troubled. Then in verse 8, he explicitly says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. In other words, he's in deep pain and agony over his trial, knowing how difficult it is and knowing still what he has to endure, and that is a wooden cross. And then Jesus petitions three times. Each time he asks for the cup of suffering to pass from him, and each time he also entrusts himself to God's will, knowing that God has good purposes, in this case a very good purpose for his suffering, that his death for sin would give way to his resurrection from the dead. And his resurrection from the dead makes possible our own resurrection from the dead and our final and full healing and restoration from all suffering and all pain once and for all. Now, when we read David's words in Psalm 6, as they anticipate Matthew's words in chapter 26, we see the hope to which all the scriptures point, and that's the resurrection of Jesus, which guarantees that our suffering in the present will not last forever. One day we'll be delivered from all the effects of sin and death, pain, suffering, trial, turmoil, when we're raised from the grave and God restores uh, all that he made when we're raised, glorified in the image of Jesus Christ. When this happens, there'll be no more pain, toil, no more anguish, because we'll finally be dwelling with our Savior in his resurrected, glorified image. So even though we go through cycles of suffering and deliverance, however prolonged and difficult they might be, our final deliverance is 
secure. And God hears our cries. And he as he delivered Jesus, his son, from suffering and death, so too he'll deliver us for those of us who had trusted in Christ. He will give us what our hearts truly long for, what David truly longed for, and that is a resurrection. After all, there's no suffering so bad, no pain too deep that a good resurrection can't fix. So as we think about this text, um, we have to realize one thing. I mean, what David is enduring, it's and the hope he has, it is for believers in Jesus Christ. And maybe you, you've suffered a lot in your life, but you don't know Jesus, you'd like to know Jesus, you don't really know what you believe in right now. Um, the purposeful suffering we see here in the Psalm and Psalms and throughout the scriptures uh, are for believers in Christ. Um, those who have trusted in Christ and are members uh, of God's family, are God's people, um, we can trust that Jesus, that through Jesus there is hope, though we suffer now, our suffering is not forever. Because God is teaching us, he's shaping us, he's molding us to be more like him, because one day we'll be raised, glorified in the image of Jesus Christ, free from all suffering, death, and pain. And that's the hope that believers have. And as believers, we have that hope. Um, and, and if you're someone here today who hasn't believed, um, my prayer for you would be that um, you would trust in the God who, uh, who wants our good um, and delivers his people through Jesus Christ. And as he delivers us through Jesus Christ, uh, one day, finally and fully, he'll deliver us from all struggles, all pain, all turmoil, because our life is not without purpose. But it is with purpose, even our suffering, um, for those in in Jesus Christ. And there is hope, even in suffering, for those who are in Jesus Christ. Hope now and into the future when we are resurrected from the dead. So my prayer is that we would all trust in the God who through Jesus Christ will one day finally and fully deliver us from all suffering. That time there will be no tears, no pain, but joy or gladness for those in Christ will dwell in the presence of God, the one who made us, and has redeemed us. All right. Let's pray. Lord, you're merciful and gracious to us that even in suffering, that you would work your very good, um, perhaps especially in suffering, you might work your good purposes for our lives, that we might trust you, the God who in, su in suffering causes us to turn to you, that our hope might be clearly evidenced as a hope that's only in you, the God who, if you don't deliver us now from pain, will certainly do so when you resurrect us, uh, glorified in the image of Jesus Christ. And we look forward to that day. May our hope and trust remain in you, the God who has acted to save through Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Real quick, David asked that question in verse 3, how long? I'm just curious, how many of you here at some point in your life you went through a trial that lasted so long and the pain continued for so long that at some point you prayed that prayer and you said, God, 
How long? Anybody here can say that at some point, okay, I see a number of hands. You've been there. This is relevant for all of us because all of us at some point will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And if it's not really relevant for you so much right now, I promise it will be in the future. It will be at some point. Um, Now, let me ask again, for those of you who raised your hand just a moment ago, now this is not going to be 100% of you, but how many of you can say that by God's grace, you lived long enough to see the answer to that and to see God's deliverance through whatever that trial was you were going through. Amen. Some of you are still in it, so you can't raise your hand to that second question. But some of you can say, yes, by God's grace. I said, God, how long? And eventually God said, now. And by his grace, he did choose to deliver in that moment. I just wonder, what if God were to ask that same question to us? I wonder if God would be asking some of you, how long will you run from me? How long will you fight against my love and my grace? How long will you war against me? How long will you reject Christ? Uh, Maybe for some of you, you sense in your heart that God is, in a way, asking you that question. And, And This morning, you know that he's knocking on the door of your heart and that this is your opportunity to respond and say, okay, yes, I will come. I will surrender. Uh, The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe this is that day for you in which you just need to call upon him. Anybody here that would just raising a hand would say, God's asking me that question right now, and uh, I think I need to respond. I need to give my life to Christ. If so, then I'm going to be here at the front. Amen. Any others? I'm going to be right here at the front. If you raised your hand or if you think you should have raised your hand just now, I'm going to put myself right here at the front to receive you and pray for you. You come and say, Pastor, I'm that person. Uh, And God's been waiting for me. And now today, I want to give my heart and life to Christ. If I can just pray for you, you've got, you're in the midst of one of those trials and you need prayer, then you come uh, as well. And uh, we'll pray together at the end of this service. Uh, Also, if you're watching online, again, you can respond. Uh, I can't see you raise your hand, but if you'll send us uh, a text message to that number that you're going to see on the screen, uh, click on that link when you get it. Uh, It would mean so much to us, but let us know that step of faith that God's calling you to take today, whatever that may be. Amen.